0: Our goal, and for my own goal for my own child, um, who's now a very um, high functioning adult, but you know, it's, it's to, to help those children diagnosed with autism, become successful adults with autism, because this isn't something, there's no cure. This is lifelong. You know, early intervention is so, is so crucial on, you know, getting, getting a child, the right supports, et cetera, because not every parent has that skill set. Hey, I'm Wendy Medore, and you're entering a World Gone Good.
1: Well, hello, my name is Steve, and here we are shining a light into the darkness to prove there's still good out there and lots of it. Welcome to World Gone Good. We took an unexpected two-week break because, as you can hear, <laughs> I lost my voice, and it's slowly coming back. I think I sound sound pretty good. And lucky for you, I recorded today's interview before I lost my voice. So you only have to listen to me sound like this for just a little bit here. Here's a quick little plug for our Patreon page before we dive in. Dive into our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash worldgonegood. Check out all the good we have there. Support the show. Help us keeping this good going just by showing us some love at patreon.com slash world gone good. It's really fun. You'll enjoy it. Go take a look. Let's start today with some facts about autism. In 2023, the CDC reports that approximately one in 36 children are diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder. Boys are four times more likely to be diagnosed with autism than girls. Autism affects all ethnic and socioeconomic groups. And Early intervention affords the best opportunity to support healthy development and deliver benefits across the lifespan. My guest today knows a little something about autism. Wendy Medora's good journey started in the fictional town of Springfield and has since evolved into her annual event, Daytime Stars and Strikes. This is her good story.
2: Wendy Medora is here. We have known each other for a long time in the craziest of ways because we've actually never met, but we have certain things that sort of um, track over each other. We both have a history of soap operas. We both have a history of helping others, and we both seem to enjoy bowling. Now, all these three things are going to combine together, but here's where I want to start. Wendy,
0: how are you? Let's start there. I'm great. How are you? We're we're <laughs> coast to coast here, Maine to California.
2: Isn't that amazing?
0: It is. Now, you have a love of the soaps. I do. Yeah. I, I started watching the the stories, as they were called then, when I was uh, pre-teen at my grandma's house. I used to go over there in the summer and and I'd end up there all day watching watching her CBS lineup.
2: What was it that that drew you in? Was it the spending time with your grandma and just, you know, getting to do what she does? Was it that kind of a thing?
0: Well, sure. I mean, it was I loved her. I mean, she she was just the perfect grandma, but um I got uh really kind of roped into like the 1979 year. It was kind of the Morgan and Kelly on Guiding Light and Alan and Hope on their island and the and the Roger uh, Thorpe story all intertwined and and that that got me hooked and so my grandma we didn't have VHS we didn't have any VCRs or anything so I had to go back to school and she would she would take notes for me and I'd call her after after school to find out what I missed
2: that is so funny because my sister came home around the same time 1979 1980 it was the summer it must have been the summer of 1980 and she said Diane and Nancy are going away with their families, and we have to watch something called General Hospital, and I have to take notes. And um, and my mom, we went and asked my mom, and I was much younger than my siblings, right? So I we went and asked my mom, and um, and we sat there, and my sister had like a ledger. And my sister was a terrible student. I hope she's listening. She was a terrible student, but she took notes like nobody's business on Luke and Laura and Leslie and Rick and Monica and Alan and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was a time that I don't think people quite understand now because you had to, you just hit it. You had to watch it when it was happening.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, my grandma wouldn't go anywhere until after her soaps were over. Then we could go to town.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You'll see, my grandparents were like that too. They watched the young and the restless and the bold and the beautiful. And then on the high holidays, you know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and that stuff. They were like both, you know, a little devastated because we had to go to temple. We had to go to the synagogue and not get to see their shows.
0: Oh, my goodness. This is very
2: important to them. Yeah. So you made a connection. You made a connection through um, the characters. What was it about the stories that connected for you even at a young age?
0: I think at that time it was, it was the Morgan and Kelly. They were, you know, I was, I think I had just started my sophomore or freshman year of high school. So it was very relatable. Uh, one of the things I used to talk to Jerry about who played Ross Marlar on the soap is he said, we'd always bring in teenagers over the summer to, to get the, the kids to watch, you know, to get the teenagers uh, fans to to watch the soaps and get connected and, and get hooked on them. And, and that, that happened to me. <laughs>
2: Of course. Who played? Do you remember who played
0: these people? I think Kristen Vigard played Morgan and John Wesley Shipp played uh, Kelly. He was the Flash.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He went on to be the Flash. And he just came back a couple years ago because the CW Flash did this whole timeline thing. And they were able to bring back all these people. They brought back um, Burt Ward, who played Robin on Batman and Robin from 1960s. And wow. he, played, he played an aged Robin. It was really kind of interesting. But we're going in a, a whole different direction. Now, we're going to jump all over the place a little bit here because you just said something. So you became friends with, you met actors from the show. How did this all transpire?
0: You know, I really didn't get on board with like going to any events because we were in the military. So we were kind of all over the place. And um, we had just come back from Germany and, and settled and bought a house in Maine. And the, one of the Guiding Light fan club big weekends was, was coming up. So um, I asked a girlfriend. I mean, we were big soap fans. So we said, let's let's go drive. Let's drive down there and go to one of these because I had watched it forever. And so that's kind of how it started. And I was a big Jerry Verdorn and uh, Liz Kiefer fan, the the Blake and Ross Marler story. Just, I loved it. And so I kind of um, somehow in the mix over the years, you know, kind of became friends with them and did their website for them. And uh, because, you know, when the websites came out, that's that's where you got all your information. So I was like, you guys are are under... uh, not underutilized, but we don't see you enough. Let's, let's, you know, give me a chance to, you know, to, to get you out there on the web. And that's what we did. But in that, you know, the, just a friendship of over 20 plus years developed. And in 2004, um, Jerry had a party at the guiding light studio on East 44th street. And it was for um, him portraying the character Ross Marler for 25 years. So it was a party dedicated to that character and Jerry and I got invited. So I drove down and and went with a girlfriend and that is when I said to Jerry and Liz, why don't we do a bowling event for you guys? And he's like nobody'll come, nobody will. We we can't do that. You know, kind of he kind of felt like nobody would come to see him. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. So true. And and so he said, "Go ask Beth. His wife was there." And I said, "Okay, so I went and asked her and she goes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, you're going to do an event for for them. And then when I said to Jerry, I said, Beth's on board. And he said, okay, go ask everybody if they'll come. So that's really how this all started. And so I went around the room and because it was all his colleagues, all actors that were there and I got all their information and they said they'd come and they did. You know, so we launched daytime stars and strikes at that time for the American Cancer Society because Jerry was a cancer survivor. And so we we set it up at Port Authority uh, in New York City. It was it wasn't it was just your basic bowling alley. It really hadn't been renovated. Now now these are fancy events, you know, these are fancy venues. So we we went and th- just a handful of actors and a handful of fans, and, you know, we were just getting it out there and we put this event on and I think we might have raised five thousand dollars, but I forgot to include the shoes. So we laughed about this because the people were out there in high heels and sneakers, and oh my God. And, and I you know it's just it, you know it was my first time, and so you know of course we made sure everybody had shoes, but it was it was a, le- a learning lesson. But we laughed about that every single year, um, and and that's really how it started. And then um, then the next year, so 2004, we started at 2005. Um, Jerry went to one life to live. So his, um, you know, he was, he was no longer working with, with guiding light and it was kind of just a guiding light one, but you know, we were pretty brave and we're like, well, let's just, let's just invite all the shows, you know, the daytime stars and strikes. And then, so all my children, one life to live as the world turns in guiding light. Actors were were coming, and one year we had like we had over three hundred people, and I was sure they were going to tell me I had too many because I'm sure we didn't pay for three hundred, but people kept coming. So just just a fun you know a fun afternoon of bowling. Why bowling? Why bowling? They had had a bowling event in previous years during their Guiding Light fan club weekend, and it just seemed to fit. It it just seemed to work. It was pretty low. Low impact, but one of the, the neatest things though, over the years, Jerry always said on these podcasts and, and in, in his interviews and stuff, where else are you going to be side by side with an actor that close, that intimate for a, for a fundraiser? It just didn't happen. You know, this was, this was really a unique experience for them because they paid to bowl with the actors. So they were right there with them.
2: That is so fun. And you know, it's funny. Again, we talk about a crisscrossing lives. So I worked for the American Cancer Society and I worked, uh, the way I got in was because my friend Crystal Carson, who was on general hospital when I worked there, she called me and said, Hey, would you come be a volunteer for this event I'm doing called Take a Chance with the Stars, a casino night? And this was in LA. So what you're talking about is you're talking about all these New York shows that unfortunately don't exist anymore. Um, But we had all these LA shows and then she did the same thing. And it's interesting because you said something, which I think you could probably talk to for a second here. The first year of take a chance with the stars was like, there was something very homey about it. There was something very family about it because it was so small. And, and then it blew up the next year. There's something special about that. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, it, it really, like I said, I mean, we, we went from him being on guiding light to, to moving over to one life to live and then us being brave enough to st- and innovative enough to say let's bring them all in and then you know 300 people that's a lot of people in a small venue and it was fantastic there was no um worries because, because like you said it was it was all family and Jerry everybody was Jerry's friend everybody it didn't matter who you were he made you feel like his best friend that just a special relationship you know with everybody it was awesome so what I was going to say is we the soaps did you know all of them were done but we kept it going um don't know how you know sometimes but people still wanted to see their actors and and the you know the actors still wanted to reunite and and do a special cause and so by year 10 um we you know, had done, done this for the American Cancer Society for 10 years. And by year 10, I kind of sat down, Liz and Jerry, and I said, I said, do you think we can switch this charity to autism? And they, they knew I had a, have a son on the autism spectrum. And they were like, absolutely, you know, cause it runs in families. Everybody seems to have somebody kind of like cancer, you know, but have an autism link somewhere. And so then it blew up again you know, now well, we you went
2: were, to a new audience, you found a new audience. Oh
0: yeah. And, and it was amazing. Amazing. And, um, you know, just, just switching the charity. We, then we started adding like meet and greets in that weekend because we no longer had a guiding light fan club weekend. So we like, uh, Michael O'Leary had a play breathing under dirt. He brought that in. They did their play reading. Um, we did karaoke night and then we, we, we did like a Bauer barbecue and, and then for Liz and Jerry, we had their own special um, Bloss brunch because they were titled Bloss back in the day on Guiding Light for Blake and Ross. So, yeah, we had all these events. So, people had something to do when they came in. It was, it was worth their time and, and money to come in to, to kind of attend all these events and have a good time and raise money for autism.
2: Now, you start out doing this. It's probably a lot of you figuring it out as you're going. But now, at this point, how many events are you doing in this weekend? And how many people are helping you get this shit done?
0: <laughs> I'm glad you asked that um, because one, we're all volunteers. So getting to the event, getting you know from Maine, wherever my my volunteers are, that's what we are. The actors are the same. Nobody gets paid. It's all our own blood, sweat, and tears and time. Um, so I have a, a group. And they are called, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but uh, they're called Jerry's Elves. He was like our Santa. So every year he'd have his, on the back of his Dayton Stars and Strikes shirt, it would be Santa. And then it would be all of our elf names. And um, so they, we all come together and do it. So I've got like uh, one, one gal lives in the city. Um, another team lives in New Jersey. I've got an army best friend I, I served with in Germany that lives in Texas. I'm going to see her this coming weekend and we're going to brainstorm a little bit more. I, I've got to go work in Oklahoma city. So, so she's in Texas. She's going to fly up and, and uh, we're going to work on some of our, some of the things that we're trying to put together, but it, it really is just a, um, yeah, you know, learn as you go and, and capitalize on, on what worked. I mean, you know, we always reflect at the end of event, what went well, what didn't, what can we do better? What can we remove? You know, it's just a, really that mindset of 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 the event, honestly.
2: Which autistic organization are you now donating to?
0: When we started uh, with autism, it is the Autism Society of America. And now we, um, you know, we had a couple of, of things happen. COVID. So on our, I think our 16th year um, COVID hit, so we could not come to the city. Um so we oh my god, we I was I was thinking, okay, this is it, because nobody really knew what COVID meant. It we didn't know if we'd ever come back. And so that's when I talked to Alan Locker and um he was starting the locker room and I said, Could we do the event virtual? And he said, Yes. And it was so big. I mean, we had actors that couldn't come anyway on a you know, that lived in California or whatever. Um, that all came on that that live four hour podcast. And during that podcast they're sharing stories, it was reunions, um, and P- it was like a, a telethon and people were donating. And I was trying to keep up with all the donations coming through at that time. He had us on first, me, Liz and Jerry and Michael O'Leary. And then we went, you know, had everybody from the, you know, uh West Coast, East Coast, or wherever they were come on. And so we did that for three years in a row. Um, so this last year, I, I'm sure you knew that, um, that Jerry Verdorn passed away of cancer. And so I was invited to speak at his funeral, which, which I did. And wow. I, yeah, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was in, uh, Sparta where he was from. And so, um, at that time I asked, you know, Hey, can the, can the Elvis come and that who, who lived right there? And, and Beth was like, absolutely. So, um, you know we we got to go we i did the speaking but one of the things that that Liz and Beth said that Jerry still wanted this event to go on knowing you know knowing what his situation was he was adamant that we continue the event and you know that that speaks volumes and and of course that you know that that motivates me <laughs> you know sure so then i was um that same army girlfriend i was actually headed to hawaii um, the weekend of Jerry's funeral, and it worked out to I, where I talk about fate. I I had a, a layover in um, Newark, New Jersey, mm-hmm. on our way. You know, I took my my adult kids to Hawaii, so I worked it out to where we just kind of rerouted wh- wh- how we were going, and now I was able to go to the funeral. But when when I was in Hawaii with my um, army girl, my friend that I served with, we started brainstorming. Of what can we do for Jerry? How can we continue his legacy. And we came up with the, all the elves came up with a brilliant idea to create a scholarship in his name. And not only a scholarship in his name, but it's for children, youth with autism to attend theater camps.
2: Oh, that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. That, 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 you know, and if you, if you think about it, I mean, it's an opportunity for them to be in an environment that is safe and to, um, you know, act out their, their dialogue, you know, and that socialize that and it's better communication skills. As anyone would tell you, the theater is, is just, just think of the opportunities you have there to develop yourself And one of the biggest things is the social skills, you know, the communication, the the verbal and nonverbal. And so the, the theater arts is a perfect place for children with autism. So we've already granted um, I work with Beth, uh Jerry's wife, on on the scholarships and we granted one to First Stage Next Step Children's Theater in Milwaukee and the Chicago Children's uh Red Kite uh, Foundation for it for exactly what I just said, for children with autism to attend theater camps at no cost to their families.
2: So we can put this into perspective for a second. What kind of scholarship are you talking about how much of an amount and is it for them to decide are you helping pick the student
0: we decided on on um spending like doing three scholarships the first year because we're just getting our feet wet with this right so we reached out we we investigated we interviewed um these theaters and so what what we're doing is it's not like free reign it's it's How what we say is how many kids can go to to uh, the theater camp on this amount of scholarship. So yes, they of course pick the children because we don't know these children, right, right, right. But we have you know we we have a criteria that it, it is meant for children that cannot afford it.
2: Do you have an amount that you can share with us that you that you raised?
0: Sure. Well, well, last year we raised for the scholarship because we are still raising money for the Autism Society of America, right. Um, so what we did is we we said, you know, 75% of our normal business um, will go to the Autism Autism Society of America and the 25% will go to the scholarship fund or, and it says it on our website at daytimestarsandstrikes.com, that if you if you want to make a st- straight donation to the scholarship fund, let us know. And a lot of people did do that. Uh, Eric, Erica Slaszak wrote a check. Specifically to to Jerry scholarship fund as did a few other actors so we raised about 13,000 for the scholarship wow yeah for the first year and then i think overall we we brought in about 35,000 and 13 of that went for the scholarship
2: okay so here's a question when do you sleep um <laughs> <laughs> i know i talked to look i talked to a lot of people who come on and they start telling all the things they do and it's a passion, right? So it's it's as long as it's fun and you're passionate about it, you're gonna keep doing it. And when you talk about being with people who get it, being with people who create a community, whether they're the actor or the person who loves the actor and wants to come be part of the community, and also just have fun. I mean, bowling is fun. Yes. Bowling is a little dirty and you might want to hose yourself down with rubbing alcohol afterward, but I'm not judging. Yeah.
0: But bowling is fun, right? It is, it is. Well, and then we do the Bauer barbecue, which is hilarious because Michael O'Leary hosts that, and we do like a, a Bauer barbecue trivia, and we have contests. But this year, we do you do that in a park? No, Where do you do that? you're not going to believe this. Are you ready? You're not going to believe this. So. 2018, I think um, we had, we had rotated some of the, the venues. Um, we tried New Jersey. We, we, we actually um, uh, the hotel in Secaucus was so kind to us and we were able to use their space for, I, I let me back up. I was with my daughter um, in New Jersey. We're Yankees fans. I know you're a Red Sox fan. <laughs> so you know were, me. <laughs> we were, I remember. Good. So we were headed. We said, I, I said, I, I want to, I don't want to fly. I want to drive, but I don't want to. I don't want to drive in the city. I want to leave my car here. So I said, "Let me figure out the best, closest hotel to New York City, so we could just get the train and go to the game." So we picked. Um, I'm a Marriott reward person, so we picked the um, Residence Inn. It was a brand new one in Secaucus, that that big venue there. And I was, as we were walking through it, I something caught my eye, and it was a fountain and a barbecue, it, like a courtyard piece of it. And so I went up to the desk and I said, "What?" Do with that, and they said nothing. And I go, would you rent it? And they said yes. And so we had our first annual bower Barbecue there. It was so much fun. And then we did it um, that weekend. We also did a, a karaoke event right in there, and it was it was great. You know, we we hired a DJ, and he had a child that had autism. So it just all, you know, the the stories are layered here. I mean, it was just awesome. But then so. Then we said, well, let's bring it back to the city because maybe it's, it's easier for the actors to come and, and fans. It's hard to to fly into New York City and then go to Jersey. You know what I mean? It's right, easier right. for them to come in the city. So we so, said, okay. So I uh, we you know went over to Port Authority and, of course, they have revamped that whole thing. And as I was walking through it, some uh, me and a couple of the other uh, elves were there, Terry and I think Marie and Suzette. So we're walking and I'm like, oh, my God, what is this room? And it was it was it had a um, a lighthouse in it and a picnic bench. I go, what what's going on in here? And they said you can rent it. I go, can I have a barbecue in here? And they said yes. I said okay. So we're going to use that. And then of course the lanes. And then they have a specific um, karaoke room for two hundred people.
2: This is perfect. Um,
0: exactly. So um,
2: okay, let's let's clarify a few things really quickly. Okay, so the reason why the 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 reason why the lighthouse is important in that room yeah. and it's just weird that that happened is because of guiding light. That was a part of their show from the very beginning of the show. It was it was it took place. I don't. Where did it take place? What city was it in? Guiding Light was in New York City. Was right, but what the show Springfield, Springfield. Right, and then it was like, but there was a lighthouse. Um, In the opening credits and part of the show. Yeah, for years. Yeah. That's funny. Okay, so that's one. Two, to clarify, it's not that I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. It's just that I'm an anybody but the Yankees fan. Oh, no. I just lost all these listeners. See,
0: that's me, though. I'm anybody (laughs) but a Red Sox fan. (laughs) Okay, there we go. But like I told you before, there is some history there because um, uh, Pedroia. I uh, know he's he no longer plays with him he's retired but he's from my hometown and he was inducted into the Woodland High School Hall of Fame with my sister. Oh ah.
2: Now, the third thing I wanted to say to clarify is I have a question, which is this barbecue you're doing, the Bauer Family Barbecue, that's from the show Guiding Light. They used to do that like July 4th yeah, or
0: something? The 4th of July, yeah.
2: I just guessed that, okay? I, I didn't watch the show, so I'm guessing. But my question is this. Do you have everybody dr- dress up in 70s and 80s clothing? And if not, why not?
0: <laughs> Not for the barbecue. That's a good question. And when we were in New Jersey, we cooked the burgers. We had Michael Leary over there cooking them, but at the <laughs> and it was fantastic. We had chefs' hats, the whole nine yards. But in in uh, the bowling alley, there it's a it's a meal. There's burger. It's a burger meal. You know, it's the the you know they do the food, so it, it just works out. It's easy. So, but I am I am going to say for the bowling this year, we are doing an eighties theme.
2: Oh, see, I guessed it.
0: Yeah, and the '80s theme, and we're gonna have contests for themed for the Guiding Light characters, like for um, Ross Mar the Ross Marler Award's gonna be the best overall score. Um, we have the Blake Marler Blackout Award that's gonna be for most uh, strikes in a row, and just just uh, uh, the Riva Shane ones most spares. I'll just let you think about that for a second. <laughs> um. <laughs> Wait, is that about husbands? What is that about? Uh what was her well you didn't watch the show. but
2: I didn't watch the show. Was she
0: the slut of Springfield. Yeah. Oh, she was a slut of Springfield. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we That's like having a husband.
2: It's just like having other yeah. people's husbands. There you go. Keep
0: going. <laughs> and then we have the Four Musketeer award um which is honoring uh the characters of Philip Beth and Mindy and Rick. And that was a big, you know, big thing in the 80s with those guys. So and that's the best overall team score. So we're going to do that. But then our our um, our Bower Barbecue, we are going to have a handbag bingo. And why do I say that? I have brand new um, designer bags. I have a sister that has a lot of handbags in her closet that have tags on them. And so we're going to uh, we're going to do the handbag bingo, and 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 um, those will be the prizes.
2: That's so fun. You know Kim Zimmer um has done so many things in her career. My aunt was at a an event and my aunt for many years was a librarian and she was in an event. Oh god, this had to be maybe 10 years ago and Kim was there at the event and she was signing her book, I guess, um her autobiography I believe. And um she my aunt went up to her and said, "Oh, and would you, she said my, my, would you, would you make this out for my nephew, me? Uh She's like, he doesn't, you know, he didn't watch your show. She said, but he met you one time and he said, you were really nice. And Kim said, who's your nephew? And she said, Steve Silverman or Steve, and then said my last name. And Kim said, oh yeah, I know exactly who he is. He's the guy from pretty. And he was supposed to cast me and we got to work together. So literally she remembered that. And, and it's so funny because I think of how many people, you know, who are celebrities and meet so many people along the way, right? She and I met briefly for um, 60 seconds at a event in New York. And I had get, talked to her about my show, Pretty, and said, if you're ever in LA, I'd love to, you know, talk to you. And she said, great, great, great. So I have her autobiography. And when you open the cover, it says right there, um, something along the lines to my friend, Steve, and she said, still waiting for you to cast me, your pal. You know, and I was just like, uh, and so my aunt called me goes, Oh my God, she remembered you. I go, she did not. I was like, she did not remember me. Like she was just being nice. Right. And she She said, No, she actually, and then I started laughing because I'm like, Well, maybe she remembered me because she thought I was going to pay her to do a job. (laughs) If only she knew what we paid people to do pretty. Okay, let's get let's get back to this. When is the event? Where's the event?
0: The event is October. Seventh and eighth in New York City at Port Authority. We always have it, if we can, over Columbus Day weekend. That's just our slot because Monday's a holiday and it's easier to, you know, for some of us to get off work or whatnot. But we also, for the weekend, Trent Dawson from As World Turns is doing a play reading right there in Port Authority. Oh, nice. And he's doing it for his theater, but it's, you know, giving them another opportunity to do something.
2: Very nice. And you know what's great about October 7th? That is our third year anniversary of this show. Oh, I launched it on October 7th. So we, again, Wendy, I swear to God, we keep just racking this, but where do people go to get more information and buy tickets and support? Because I also know that you are, for people who can't make it, they can still support the event in a couple ways. So talk about that.
0: Sure. So we have a website. It is daytimestarsandstrikes.com and there you will find our mission our vision you will our stories there where you can purchase tickets how you can sponsor us um or or even don't strictly donate you sponsor us we put you on our social media if you if you're not interested in in that type then then you can clearly just make you know a donation but we do need the big donors this year we're coming back to the city so now we have overhead again you know we've been doing it online for 3 years but now we you know we need to pay for our venue so we you know, let's, let's raise some money for that scholarship and let's raise some money for the Autism Society of America. And, and, you know, our, our really our goal and for my own goal for my own child, um, who's now a very um, high functioning adult, but you know, it's, it's to, to help those children diagnosed with autism, become successful adults with autism, because this isn't something, there's no cure. This is lifelong. You know, early intervention is so, is so crucial. On you know getting getting the child the right supports etc. Because not every parent has that skill set. You know, with us, uh, my husband was on the school board. It, it worked because we knew. You know, we we we. I'm not saying we had leverage, but we had an in that we made sure our child was okay. You, you were never going to. Um, he was never not going to have support because that's the type of, type of mom I am too. <laughs> but you know, not but not everybody has that.
2: Right and not and and some people have have the other moms and dads who are out there trying to ban books and keep certain information out of schools, and I'm not going to get too political, but don't <laughs> push your own kids' crap on other kids' parents and kids. You don't want them to do something, you handle that yourself right, and that's amazing for me to say because I don't have a kid, yeah, <laughs> and even I
0: get it yeah, yeah, so that's I mean really that's what it's all about we've we've got to we we need some big donors, send us some big donors. <laughs> you know, help us, help us make this our biggest, our biggest one this year.
2: When you say big donors, what are we talking about? Well, you can be honest.
0: Sure. How about a thousand dollars? How about
2: $10,000? People listening. Is this something that they can write off on their taxes? Is the question? Is it 501c3?
0: Yes, it is. And it is on the website. All that information is there. You will get a, you will get your tax letters. Um, I have a fantastic relationship with the autism society of America, a great partnership.
2: The final two questions we ask on every show go like this. They can go back to anything you've already talked about. Anything you want to say, here's question number one. Who inspires you?
0: My son. Definitely my son. Um, We, you know, we spent the first year in denial. Um, You know, when we got the diagnosis, this, this was a child that could read a four. This was a, a child that could, had a memory beyond he could he could tell you what day you were born in any given year um you, you know he had he had every kid's bus number memorized and then you know they said we want to test him and so um we had never heard of the word Asperger's didn't know I mean I knew I heard of autism but really never knew so we we spent that first year in denial with that diagnosis and then we got educated you know, then we're like, we got to get to work. You know, the internet was coming out, then we were busy. We were really, you know, at the IEP meetings, just making sure that he, that he had a clear path and that he got the supports so that he needed to be a successful young man. And today he lives on his own. Never thought that would happen. He drives his own car. He's very busy in his, his, uh, social life. And, you know, he has those skills that he might not have had, had we had not known, you know, what, what was going on, you know, had he had not had that that initial um, exam, I guess the testing done. So yes, my son inspires me.
2: And the final question is not a question. It is a statement to finish, finish it any way you like. It goes like this. Tell me something good.
0: I would say that the generosity of, of people, you know, last year, you know, after, after Jerry passed away and we had the Alan locker show, the locker room, we received donations from people I had never heard of before. And with those donations for Jerry's scholarship um, was always a, a beautiful message. You know, um, just how much he meant to them, how much they had watched the show over the years, Guiding Light and One Life to Live, and how much he inspired them and what a good person he was. So, yeah, the generosity of, of, of you know, all, all of our uh, people that come to this event and support the event.
1: Thanks, Wendy, for sharing your good. Go check out DaytimeStarsAndStrikes.com to see how you can get involved and bowl it up for autism. Next time on World Gone Good. And I called my mother and
2: I said, I've been casting this new show and it's got got
0: an orgy scene and some S&M and in the end, um, Jack the Ripper shows up and kills her. Um, And I'm playing um, her pimp. Um, And my mother said,
2: well, do you have to take off your clothes? And I said, no. And she said, well, then it's okay.
1: (laughs) Our Wendy-themed shows continue with my pal, Wendy Worthington, who you originally heard on our show number 32, Musicals Gone Good. But when I say you heard her, you only heard some of her on that episode. Now, you're going to hear the rest. As we barrel toward our third anniversary show, I thought it'd be fun to dive back in with some of our favorite good guests to share their full, unedited recordings with you. Wendy Worthington is first up. You're going to hear the entire conversation, all the ums, you knows, and our both loss of trains of thoughts (laughs) included. See, I couldn't even say it. I can't wait for you to hear this one. Until then, be good.